0: why
1: are you here to turn the world on its head baby that's why i'm here <laughs> to turn the world on its head upside down dish. all around that's got what that, i'm that, here that. for baby that's why I'm here. i got that dish <laughs> It's Onika and Jr. and you are dishing with Dainty Dish. How you doing, Jr.? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay over here in my little corner of the in world. Your little
0: corner, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I kind of asked you how you're doing before I even said how I was actually really doing. Yeah, like you did. I, yeah. I'm concerned. I, ju- I jumped the gun today.
1: You did. You jumped the gun. I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm kind what's of going anxious. I'm, exci- I'm
0: excited today because I know what's up. You
1: know what's, up? I what's know up. What's up?
0: What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? You making a crown on top of your head I right am. now? Like, I am. I am. Like
1: I said, rock the world. Rock like, the world.
0: I don't know. What's, I don't know what's rock going on right now. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but what you you need help? Um, <laughs> but,
1: Always. But, I yeah. But anyway, what's going in on with me? Hand.
0: Um, I've got. I've got. You know, I've been doing my. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been doing improv still. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm doing that. I, I did my. I don't know if I mentioned it maybe last week, but I did my first improv jam. I don't know if I might have me, mentioned. You might have mentioned it. it. But yes, I did that. Um. Uh, My my teacher was there, so he kind of gave us some feedback this week, which was pretty cool That's cool Um, And yeah, I'm, you know, getting that comedy thing going, you know, starting to do the open mics Trying to work out some material, you know, that's my thing uh, for fun. But uh, that's what I'm too and I've got a dodgeball and kickball and stuff, you know, still going on. Pretty active. Still playing those games.
1: How's the the shin?
0: How's the shin? How's the shin? shin? My shin's fine. My knee, on the other hand. Oh, was that? Was it a
1: problem (laughs) with your knee? I thought it was your shin. I thought Uh, I was
0: like knowledgeable
1: and I listened. I'm like, oh, it's a shin problem. It's a shin
0: problem. No, my knee's okay. Um, I kind of shook it off. I've been out and I did some yoga. it off. I've been doing some core yoga, which has been amazing. Um, and I think maybe that's why I've been rebounded from this. You're such
1: a stuff. weirdo. Are you like, I've been doing core yoga? Well, no, like, that's the class. That's what's kind of like they're, they're trying to
0: focus on your core and the specific Whatever. stretching that they're doing in this particular type of class. Like, well, that's just <laughs> tell me what you're doing. I don't, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I,
1: at this point, have gotten my hair done. And it's not done right now. But by the time this airs, it's going to be done. It's probably driving me crazy. Cause it's the first time i would have been getting a weave so it's probably driving me absolutely nuts but i hope it looks really really good
0: yeah I guess. that's what
1: i'm hoping for um what else is going on with me work's been, meh. Meh. meh 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 nothing nothing really happened in there um but we do actually because like i'm i don't want to talk about myself like for once in my life wow. i don't care i don't myself today it's the second it's second wednesday of the month it's all kinds of crazy that means we've got a guest on the show mike hi mike how hi, you doing
2: i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm okay, okay you. I'm, I'm like, like
1: mike do hey like, do you want to say his, his last like, no, name i don't know i don't know how to pronounce your last okay. name pronounce it for all of us stro stro
2: there's a beer in the u.s called Stroh's beer Stroh and that when I saw that for the first time I thought oh wow maybe there's some fame in my name (laughs) I can see how you think that yeah
1: well Mike thank you so much for being on the show um we really appreciate your presence today
2: it's lovely to be here thank you
1: Mm.
0: so tell us a little bit about yourself um why are you here Yes. Yeah, like, just get into it. It's the song you
2: were talking about. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Um, Outcast. (laughs) Where I would be without Outcast. Jesus. (laughs) Um, So I'm here, I guess, for one, because my friend Jesse was here before. Yes. And he said, you gotta meet these people and check out their podcast and that kind of stuff and i guess the reason that all happened is because i do a lot of work in mental health advocacy Mm -hmm. um maybe teaching talking training learning um those kind of things and that all stems from my personal and family experience with mental health illness and addiction
1: Okay, so let's mm-hmm. talk about it.
2: Yeah, let's do it. Well, I like the way you you, you added
0: addiction first and foremost into yeah. that because we typically have have not really covered addiction, but it's a huge mm-hmm. part of the mental health. Realm. Addiction it's a family. The two the two go I guess hand in hand. Yeah,
2: right? yeah, they do, and it's in some ways it. As the whole movement discussion et cetera moves forward, I I, I don't think the two things are distinguishable from each other. Another thing I think that's not clear in today's hoopla around mental health is in the striving for open conversation, Mm -hmm. we've sort of lumped everything under the umbrella of mental health, which is good because it all does fit into it, but there's all these other components that are part of that or that are separate from that, I guess. So when you're... You know the difference between mental health, mental illness, and is addiction separate from that too? So these are things my mind chews on a lot. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know that I know what the doctors think, and I know what the academics think, and etc. But I don't know. It seems like we're kind of rewriting some of this stuff these days. So that's cool. Yep, the academics have been wrong.
0: <laughs> been wrong before. They
2: were, well, yeah. And you know, I have to. For my own sanity, and I think it's helpful for people in general, is to see the good, bad, and in between and everything. Because I think we get too caught up in one side or the other without seeing the middle ground. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, like I used to be very pessimistic about everything. And when I was really sick, I went down some really dark holes and what's been really helpful is seeing the gray in the world hmm. mm-hmm. because the world i think is mostly gray
1: it sure is that's
0: an interesting interesting perspective multiple
2: shades multiple <laughs> yeah multiple
1: yeah, shades
0: gray. Yeah, yeah yeah so let's let i guess let's mm-hmm. let's go to your childhood do you want to like tell yeah. us how how you know how you grew Please. up um, and you know where, how did you get to recognizing there was a, a challenge or a problem?
2: Yeah. Okay. So family history on both sides. Uh, my grand paternal grandfather died by suicide when he was 50. My dad was, I think, about five or six. And so my dad was sort of, I think, by his own description, the mistake child. So he has an older, two older sisters, I think 12 or or 14, 16 years older than he is. Mm -hmm. So, and his, my grandfather on that side certainly had mental health issues and was in and out of the, I think at the time, asylum is what it was called. Yeah. And this was in the UK. And then he had a lobotomy. And then shortly after that, he took his own life. So, then my dad was ushered off to boarding school and basically grew up by himself. And then he moved to Canada or to the U S about 16, 17. And then my mom, um, has seven sisters. So she comes, my dad's Jewish. My mom's, uh, Irish Catholic. Okay. She had seven sisters, uh, her dad. So my maternal grandfather had some alcohol issues and some of her, And our extended family on that side, certainly lots of issues like that. So it's in my bones, I guess. I I mean, Mm. in some ways it's in everybody's, but I heard a really funny doctor slash lived experience guy talking. And he said something about being, he was Irish. And he said, uh, in the general population, it's about 10 to 15% of people might develop an addiction or alcoholism issue. Mm Mm-hmm. But in the Irish Catholics, it's about 15, 20, 25% or something like that. It <laughs> so it's a bit of a joke, but so who knows? Anyway, so that's the family background. Um, my brother lives with schizophrenia. And so it's part of all of this conversation is helpful because a lot of people, I mean, back then... When my brother and I were showing signs of uh, poor mental health, uh, or bad behavior, or unhealthy behavior, we would have seen it as what it was, as opposed to just normal, you know, teenage... Boys being boys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, so then, you know, about 12 years old, grade 7, I started feeling maybe more uncomfortable and anxious than I might not have or that like, I don't know. It's so hard to say because it was so long ago. And you just I,
1: didn't, you didn't feel right. Yeah. You can't that's even a feel nice right. way to say yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it didn't feel right. And I saw my brother, um, he was growing weed or something. And I, I, anyway, I, f- I came across weed, tried it, didn't work. And then I, uh, tried magic mushrooms for some could i reason i don't know and my brother decided it was a good idea to give his 12 year old brother magic mushrooms and i had just like the worst experience of my life in a hotel room on a school field trip in the united states
1: uh, oh, wow. <laughs> so you smuggled, yeah. yeah, you smuggled magic mushrooms, yes, to the United States I and did. took them in a hotel room. Yeah,
2: and my roommates were supposed to do it with me, and then they backed out. Oh, yeah. So I was like prepubescent little boy, and oh. I lost my mind. Yeah, it was horrible. It was wow. horrible. So that sort of that was my entry into substance use, and mm. my, I don't know it. And I was basically high, twenty four hours a day until the day I stopped. Within six months of that day, so my recollection of things in terms of how I felt and what was really happening,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's very blurry.
0: Sorry, I, I I didn't. I don't think I got this. So yeah, it was a six month period where
2: you were just twenty four seven. Sorry, yeah. Let me.
0: Or was or is it? You only remember?
2: No. So after I. I sometimes describe it as a drug-induced psychotic episode. So at 12, okay. like when I lost my shit on the shrooms, it took me a couple of days to come back to a sense of, wow, okay, I'm back. Um, and after that, I said, that was the worst experience of my life, but I want to do it again because it was the first time that I ever felt I had control over how I felt.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right,
2: And that's a big part of what addiction is. It's put drugs inside our body or put something inside our body to change how we feel. And I said, well, okay, I don't want it to be that bad, <laughs> but I'll try something else that works. Okay. And so then I went back to weed. And then, so what I meant by the six months, so within six months of that, Catastrophic experience. Mm-hmm. I was getting high every single day.
0: Okay, yeah. Okay, okay. I was
2: playing Before. around. I was figuring out how to get it, how to you know steal little bits of money from my mom without. And you getting were chasing t- the high. Yeah, I was yeah. chasing the ability to change how I felt.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So I, my sponsor uh, always says, our intentions. Or our motives are, it's not the right word. Our motives, I was going to say pure. Our motives are legit. Like we don't want to feel bad and uncomfortable. Our methods are flawed. So my method was flawed, right? All of us are searching for some way of navigating uncomfortable situations. And mine became getting high. Mm -hmm. yeah and so by the middle of grade eight or something i was long gone until the day i stopped wow yeah
0: were you able to get through school high or and yeah i got through like functioning functioning yeah yeah that's
2: the thing uh, so that's a great another great talking point around all this stuff um In my opinion, the definition of an addict, you can't be a functioning addict or alcoholic, right? I mean, if you're an addict or an alcoholic, you are not functioning. They
1: say, they use that term, they use that term, like functioning addict, functioning alcoholic. I'm like, but can you be?
2: Yeah, so I don't think so. So I was getting through my life, but I, you know, I was a, a bloody mess, so... I got through high, I, I literally was high every single day of my life, literally, until, so yeah, high at school all the time, high going to sleep, high waking up, um, it was horrible, yeah, looking back on it, I mean, and all the things I did, you know, I, the, the people I hung out with, the places I went, and the things that I did, entirely revolved around getting and staying high, so in grade 11, I was convicted of trafficking marijuana, I was a big drug dealer and, you know, just this idea of, you know, that's an important time in life to figure out who we are, so to speak, or we start to develop this idea or build an identity of who we are and our place in the world and all that stuff. And I stomped on that growth every chance I got kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah, so I I wanted to go to school. I wanted to go to the hockey. I mean, I managed to go to hockey, but other things, anything Mm -hmm. beyond the daily minimum of getting through life I could handle.
1: And did you do post-secondary at all?
2: Yeah, so I got asked to leave my first high school, and I ended up at uh, another high school where if you showed up you would pass if you did a tiny bit of work you'd get a c if you did a tiny bit more you would get a b um and i was also one of the last grade 13 people in ontario so i was also told nothing matters in school until um grade 13 mm-hmm. so all the good influences in my life said mm-hmm. you don't need to go to school fuck it it doesn't mean anything you just have to do good in oac you know and then the backstory to that is uh Yeah, but if you show up in OAC, never going, never have gone to, never having gone to (laughs) school, you don't know what the hell you're doing. So, oops. Um, And I used this, and so I used my friend's, my one of my best friends, his girlfriend's papers from a different school, and handed them in as my own at this other school. And one time, a, a teacher who was pretty cool and understanding. I mean, the kids at the school were all sort of going through rough things, you Mm -hmm. know, that's why we were all there. It was a public school. And, uh, he looked me in the eye and he said, you didn't write this paper, did you? Like, there's just no way. I mean, (laughs) how is it? What is this thing you handed me? And I sort of lied, I guess, but I was like, Oh, my mom and my sister helped me a lot and I'm having a hard time and I just gave him some spiel. You know, one of the problems with I don't know people, but young people in particular, mm-hmm. when we get in trouble or when I was get I, I was so young. I never learned how to really be honest. So, who knows there was got to be a lot of reasons for that, but because and it was I remember in that that night of the mushrooms, the teachers, when they came to the room and got me, um, I don't even really know how that happened either, but I was, I was just a bad basket case. Um, they said, you know, what are you doing? Are you on drugs? Like what happened? What this isn't normal. And I, I just, that's sort of really when the lying started. I was too scared to be honest. Cause I mm-hmm. didn't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. It's hard to know. You know, why don't, why aren't we honest? We're scared. We don't feel safe. We don't, trust people i i mean who knows but so from that point forward anytime a difficult decision emotionally or something like that would come up i would just lie and so it was sort of push away dealing with the discomfort more and more and more um so a big huge coping mechanism for me was lying um and that moment with the teacher, man, it was just lie, you know, uh, terrible. So uh, that's how I got into post secondary, cheated my way, and you know, okay, yeah.
0: And what were your parents saying, doing at this time? Like, were they? Did they notice what was going on with you? Were they oblivious? Like, what 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 what, what, what? 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 Do you have any idea? Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, would they would they notice something's I, going on? Like, <clears throat> like I know my like for me, I know. My mom caught me high once. She doesn't know she caught me high, but she caught me high. And um, she's like, what's up with you? Something's wrong with you right now. Like you're weird, like, you know? And like, I was like, nah, I'm cool right now. But I was baked, you know, but she never, she never knew. Well, she's gonna know now. Now that she, <laughs> because she <laughs> listens. She listens. She was able to pinpoint the. She was not be able to pinpoint the moment, but yeah. it did happen. Yeah. You know. But anyway, it's <laughs> nice
2: that she listens. Hi, Jay mom. <laughs> mom. My mom. listens <laughs> too. Hi, Anika's mom. Hi, mom. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, we were just talking about um your yeah, parents. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, man. I, so, a part of my journey has been coming to peace about the, the difficulties of being a parent and all the other. I mean, my brother and I were, you know, a bit of, we were disasters in, as in our teenage years. So, my parents were also divorced. My mom worked a lot. Um, so, we just didn't have much of a relationship okay. um, emotionally. My pa- You know, it's so hard to say what were they thinking, you know, but... They, they did everything they possibly could for us and still do. So, again, you know, their intentions to be good parents are there. Um, and not all of us are great at that. So the other thing is, you know, my mom was number six of eight girls. And the, the age from the first to the last was, you know, tw- at least a 20-year gap. So, and my dad grew up by himself in a boarding school. So I don't, they didn't necessarily have the skills to Mm -hmm. inquire on what was going on. Um, and also the lying, right? I got, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, one time my mother ripped the blankets off me to get me out of bed in the morning. So Mm it was when I was probably 15 and I had a quarter ounce of weed in like under my armpit or something like that. Or, sorry, a quarter. <laughs> a quarter pound. Of course. Qu- yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Not a quarter ounce. It's oh been a long time since I've god. Yeah. So I had a quarter pound and I was getting it all ready to take to school and sell and blah blah blah. And she was like, What the fuck is this? You know, what is this? And I in my haze and like, oh my god, I said uh it's my science project. <laughs> wow
1: it's my science project
2: project. and so and we never discussed it again nothing (laughs) nothing no discussion whatsoever wow yeah so that's
1: just an example of like how things kind of went down like you you know but or they know but they don't they don't want to know they, don't, they really don't want to know my parents were the same way they didn't, They knew about my weed smoking but yeah. until it got critical they did not want to know
2: yeah so. and it's you know part of the healing for me is it's, it's seeing that struggle in them mm-hmm. and that it's okay you know that was just their reality at the time and then when I got convicted and, or when I got arrested and later convicted, I lied through my teeth then too, you know? So mm. in some ways it's hard to blame them because I never really said, if I had gone to either of them and said, I'm a drug addict and I need help and I just, I don't mm. know what to do. They would have helped me, you know, wouldn't yeah. Have, yeah. So that's a tricky thing too, in helping young people navigate this stuff. It's hiding is one thing. But if you start to take agency over yourself and seek help, mm-hmm. you'll get it. It may, it may not come in the way you want it, or it may not come
0: as you expected. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And it may suck at certain points. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's no I, I don't play the any blame game with the parents and stuff. But yeah, so there was just a huge gap there that okay. yeah okay. yeah um and then yeah then I went to university which I sh- you know in all reality shouldn't have got into and I also chose so my my whole thing was I'm going to choose the easiest path all the time because so much of my mind body soul everything was focused on how am I going to get high how am I going to stay high and da, 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 da. so at Concordia I went to Concordia And they offered credits to people who took OAC in Ontario. (laughs) So because I did OAC Mm -hmm. and I did all social sciences for the most part, I think, I basically got a year off of university because in Quebec they have that junior college stuff. So they they equated OAC to junior college. And so I basically did a three-year degree in four years. So, and, you know, I thought everyone said, hey, yeah, go to Concordia. You can do this. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll just take the easy road again. Uh, obviously shooting myself in the foot slowly along the way. And, yeah. And so I barely squeezed through university too. Um, a lot. It was really rough, especially the last semester. Last year was horrible. Um, and that's when my brother had his first psychotic episode so all these and the nine eleven attacks happened, and my obsessions and my, I guess, depression stuff and all that stuff really started to bombard me. Um, and was this was yeah. this
0: before the whole the whole conviction arrest
2: or is yeah, this after? That's a, this is after. So I got after, convicted I in grade eleven. Okay. Um, and again, another example of addiction. Um, I'll try to paraphrase a bit. This is sort of Gaber Mate's description is we have some sort of internal pain that we're self-medicating with, uh, through behaviors or, you know, putting things into our bodies that we can't or won't stop, uh, regardless of the negative consequences. So that's the thing, you know, normal people change, normal people, quote unquote, change their behavior to meet their goals. People like me or many addicts change their goals to meet their behaviors. So mm. if my goal was, I'm gonna get an A on this paper, but then that was gonna stand in the way of me getting high, then it'd be like, okay, well, I don't need an A, I'll get a B, mm. <laughs> and then it's, okay, okay. Does so that yeah. make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah makes complete sense.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, so then the university came, barely squeezed through, I cheated, uh, actually, on the last few exams. Uh, it's just horrible. Again. Yeah, and I I actually wrote on the last exam, please pass me. I'm a goddamn disaster. I don't know if I got good enough marks for a pass, but please just don't make me go back.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. That's, that's. I actually wrote
2: that. I would love to get my hands on that piece of paper that to see that. Anyhow, that yeah. desperation. Yeah, yeah. So that's desperate. where you
1: were.
0: This is mm-hmm. where you were. So did you eventually? Did you hit rock bottom after university? Like when did, when, when was rock bottom? Like when did.
2: Yeah. So that's a, it was described to me that rock bottom is when you decide to stop digging. Okay. So that's, I think one thing that gets lost in a lot of these conversations is the comparison game. I'm not so bad. I'm not as bad as that person. I would compare myself to my brother a lot and say, okay, Mm -hmm. well, at least I don't look like that or behave in that way, which is totally dysfunctional. Um, and I do also remember at a very young age, um, I was at a party with a lot, you know, I was 14, 13 partying with bikers and gang, like all kinds of just madness. Um, and I saw them doing a lot of hard, harder drugs. And I said to myself, sort of, I'm never going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I know I can be high on weed 24-7 and not die. Which is also just an insane justification for living that way. But that's this game that we play. I'm not that bad. At least I'm not driving drunk and crashing my car and all this nonsense. Um, I did a lot of party drugs you know sort of thing so ecstasy and mdma and acid and mushrooms um but yeah so weed i knew wouldn't kill me uh i may kill myself as a result of being high all the time but um no one's ever died from marijuana <laughs> you know <laughs>
0: Ooh, it's a whole, yeah. smoke your body mass have yeah.
2: fun <laughs> well, so yeah um hmm the torment over the years of constantly not being the person I knew I was and wanted to be was Mm. sort of what brought me to my bottom. Um, And the struggle of helping care for my brother and living with my brother and the just total insanity that revolved around that. Uh, But I started to, so how I hit, it's so weird. I was going up at the same time as going down. So I started, With my brother, I started playing poker. Shortly thereafter, I got really good at poker. I became, I basically chose to become a professional poker player because I knew I couldn't do anything else. And I could isolate and pull money out of this, a bank machine. And the money came from this thing called the internet. It was just very strange. And it was (laughs) so weird. Uh, And that's what I did. So I got really good at poker. I started making a lot of money and then I said, okay, great. I have money. My life's not a disaster. I'm not a pathetic human being. um, And maybe I can make something of myself. So it did give me some self-confidence in a way. Mm -hmm. And then I met a girl at a friend's wedding. uh, And through that relationship, I sort of battled with, I'm okay. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. I'm making money. I'm going somewhere, but it was just a slow burn as they say with the and I we got more serious and I was lying to her about how how much I was getting high and all this other madness and she kept calling me out on my bs and then we decided to get married which is just so crazy
0: um, I love the way Onika's looking at me right now. <laughs> yeah, like she's like she's, As soon as
1: you say oh, oh, "BS,"
0: we got we got married. the end, and again, Onika just goes, her eyes just glaze over to me. And forget about it. Is, do you have a
2: story for us?
0: Previous episodes. It's okay, okay, it's okay. Okay, we, okay, we don't, okay. We don't need to go into that today. <laughs> okay. Uh,
2: so yeah, uh, we got married, and you know, and half of me was still holding on to this idea that I could control things and make something of my madness. The other half was praying for help or just praying that one day I would stop destroying my soul, you know, Mm -hmm. and the marriage brought that to a quick clash, I guess. I had had suicidal thoughts. Uh, throughout my life you know I in university I was so angry about what I perceived to be western civilization destroying the world so I had these crazy fantasies about being a suicide bomber so to speak Um, something like that killing myself to help the west see its problems which is you know <laughs> so <laughs> unhealthy uh because i saw yeah. things yeah i saw <laughs> things as really one side you know it was either there was no gray and so i wasn't having those thoughts anymore but i was having other type of thought patterns that may lead to more suicidal things mm. like that fantasies again or something anyway all i ever wanted was to i think The one thing I always knew I wanted to be was a dad. Mm -hmm. And I knew that this relationship was going to not work if I didn't change drastically. Mm -hmm. And so then, yeah, that was my bottom. Um, You know, I'd literally been high every single day for a solid 17 years. You know, minus a week or two here when I was in a foreign country. Minus a few days here and there, just, it was not good.
1: How did you seek help? Like, what did you do? Like, Mm -hmm. what was the next step? You've hit bottom. You know, you can't live like this anymore. It can't, you can't go on like this. So what do you do?
2: Yeah. I, so I think I started thinking of what the hell am I going to do? And I, I remembered that one of my best friends, his older brother was an addiction counselor at a treatment center. And his older brother uh, was a lot, was similar to me. You know, he was really messed up on drugs and et cetera at one point. And I thought, you know, (laughs) if that guy can do it, I have a chance. Um, So I called him. And Mm. he said, sure, I can try to help. And so we met up a couple times. And, you know, he caught all serious on me and said you know we have to do and we have to do a, what is it not an intervention but um somewhat similar to a diagnosis so we get we have to do okay. uh you know he ran me through the checklist of things to see if i was qualified as being an addict or whatever it was or having a problem and so after the end of that he said yeah it looks like you have a problem I'm like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Al. I knew that already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he said, Call this number. He gave me the number to St. Joe's Hospital. They have this outpatient program. And he said, if you want help, call this place and tell them you want to go or whatever. And I still it it was it was the first time in my life that I actually made a decision to do something about it about this crap uh but it was maybe the first time i actually believed that i would do something and the weight of the world that i had been carrying around my whole life started to lift i called the number the lady said well michael you have to be sober for 72 hours before you come here (laughs) and i sort of said geez If I could be sober for 72 minutes, I wouldn't be calling you. (laughs) Um, And so I could have checked into the detox or I could have whatever, but I managed to do it. I I don't know. It was wild. It was just sort of one day. It was overnight for me, you know. A lot Mm -hmm. of people go come sort of up and down, but for me it was I lived in this cloud of denial and fantasy. And then all of a sudden the next day it was... Reality Smashed me in the face. Um, And I gave him, he gave me a big hug, I remember, and I started crying. And he said, you know, you don't have to do this anymore. Something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I don't. Um, So I went to the hospital. I went to this program every day for three weeks for five hours or so. And I remember walking in the first day or second day, there was something on the whiteboard. It said recovery brings all the things that drugs and alcohol promised. And that sort of stuck with me for a long time
1: Mm -hmm. because,
2: you know, the drugs and the alcohol we think are bringing us relief and freedom and escape and all this other crap, Mm -hmm. but it's a downward spiral into the abyss. And so recovery actually brings you the things you were looking for. I sort of said before, my intentions were, were good, but my methods were flawed. And so I needed new methods. And I, the only understanding I ever had about addiction and all this other stuff was from Half Baked. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie.
1: (laughs) Who hasn't? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People of
2: our generation, right? But, or, you know, when I'm in high schools, a lot, I ask kids if they've seen it and Rarely, maybe one or two hands goes up, but got to go pineapple express or something. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I need, <laughs> a, new express, yeah, I need a new one. reference. Yeah, try but that reference But the reason I say half baked is because there's a scene with Bob Saget where he, I think Dave Chappelle's talking at a meeting, and Bob Saget stands up in the audience. He's like, Weed? It's like, What the fuck? Have you ever sucked dick for weed? And Dave Chappelle's up there, kind of. Uh, and you see Bob Saget kind of looks like a junkie and he's, oh my God. So that was my understanding. I I, was like, I don't know what this means. Did you think that you couldn't be addicted to weed? I I think I knew that I was a degenerate fucking disaster, but I didn't grasp that it was the same as the junkie on the corner with a needle in his arm, right? The The outcomes are different, but what lies behind that is the same. And that took me a long time to wrap my head around and accept. Mm-hmm. You know, my sponsor also always says, leave it to the marijuana addict to feel less than the heroin addict or the whatever. You know, and I would be in this room at the hospital place with all these other people talking about, what I perceive to be worse addictions and worse drugs and whatever. And I would sit there being, I'm such a pathetic joke, you know. Weed is my drug of choice. Although I did lots of other drugs, this is really what brought me to my knees. And here these people are talking about other things that we all think are way worse. And I'm just a pathetic piece of shit. Then. And I would lie. I'd say, yeah, I smoked weed 24 hours a day, but I also did these other things. <laughs> and I would exaggerate that because I was, such, I was so... It's horrible. But that's a great example, right? Of someone who... I don't know. I was so embarrassed. I was so... That was awful. Oh my God. Um, but then I started to realize drugs weren't my problem. They were my solution. And my problem was me. And now I need a new solution. And that's when I started to build my superhero squad. Yes. Tell us about the superhero squad. superhero squad. Yes. So the first person really was my sponsor. So the guy who got me into the hospital program said, call this guy, Jeremy. I think he's a good guy for you to connect with and he'll help you if you call him. So I called him and we talked for quite a while. And then... It's so funny too. My wife and I had planned, you know, six months before, or even a long time before, we planned a trip to Jamaica to an all inclusive. And, you know, fast forward six, seven, eight months later, I'm sober. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was gonna be funny. Yeah. <laughs> Can you really go to the
1: Mecca? Oh Can my you go God. to the Mecca? Uh. <laughs>
2: So ridiculous. And so I'm talking to this guy, Jeremy, and I'm saying, you know, and he had similar problems to me. And so he says, you know, (laughs) you're two weeks sober and you're going or three weeks or a month or whatever. And you're going to Jamaica. He's like, okay, call me when you get back kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he always said, he said, he thought, God, there's no way this guy's ever coming back (laughs) or calling me back. Uh, And then the funny thing too, was after I was sober, maybe two weeks and my wife says, you know, we should try to get pregnant because who knows what you did to your sperm, and which is true. Uh, and then I start Googling, you know, marijuana, sperm, blah, blah, blah. And it's the same way, like, when your sperm is high, it jumps out of the gate and then it literally crashes and burns. The same way marijuana does to you, I guess. And so <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. And so she gets pregnant right away, literally within, oh, my god. And so then, <laughs> so now we're going to Jamaica. She's pregnant and I'm sober.
0: So, wow. oh my gosh, this should
1: be yeah. a TV show, honestly. Oh like, you're killing me over here. I know I shouldn't be laughing, but no, I can't help funny. myself. It's, it's hilarious. funny. It
2: is funny. And Who
1: says it can't be funny? Yeah. yeah. And I
2: remember walking on the beach and this guy was offering me weed or something. And I sort of looked at him and I said, you know... I've had enough. I've smoked enough of that, or I've had enough. And he sort of looked at me and said, Yeah, okay. And then, but that was a clear memory. And so I started learning. um I So, Jeremy, superhero squad, I get on tangents. So I came back, called him again, and he said, Okay, you know, meet me here at this meeting. uh It was a 12 step meeting, and I met him. And then he said, Look, if you want me to help you, here's what you got to do. And I said I definitely want you to help me and I'll do whatever it takes um, and he sort of also let me know that if you don't do everything you possibly can to make this a priority then you're screwed basically or that you know we have to make this the number one important thing in our lives or nothing else matters mm-hmm. and that, that hit me so incredibly hard I I had always put everything else in front of this yearning from my soul if you will to be free of this pain and this was I knew this was my own my opportunity to help free myself from that pain and so he became my sponsor and I took it really seriously I went to meetings all over the place and lots of different fellowships and then I started seeing an addiction counselor who was not helpful. Uh, and you know, I just made the decision. I said, okay, this person's not helping me and it's really annoying. They're canceling appointments on me and I'll just, just, it was a pain in the butt. So I said, okay, I'm not going to bother with them. I'll search out someone else. And I remember I literally, <laughs> I have to sort of remind myself and myself a pat on the back, which sounds kind of silly for how seriously I took it. Um, I remember I heard this, somebody talking about an anger management program and I thought, wow, you know, I'm not the angriest person. I was high my whole life, so I didn't express any emotions whatsoever. But I do know that anger is in me. I'm angry at myself. I'm angry at the world. As I sort of said before, all these things. And I said, I'm going to go do the anger management class. And I remember yeah. telling my wife. Yeah she said, what, <laughs> you know, anger management, why are you going there? Um, but I did, I, I just, any possible thing I can do to help myself, I'm going to do it. So I did that. Um, and then I got on a, I, I, some, a friend's mom said, Hey, there's this clinic. They offer psychotherapy. Uh, it's covered by OHIP
0: because
2: mm. uh, they're all medical doctors. And I thought, wow, that's amazing sign me up, so to speak. So I called. I got on the wait list. I had to go to my doctor, get a referral, mm-hmm. my family doctor. That uh, I was on a wait list for a long time, but that was the next layer. Um and I kept going to the meetings. I was calling my sponsor every single day. I must God, the guy I mean I owe my life to that guy. He's a saint. Um I literally called him every day for three years. Um my wa and I would just i i man i did everything i possibly could um and then so i finally got into the psychotherapy then i i thought i was also told a lot and i got a lot of consult on this from other recovering people i guess um i I knew i had underlying mental health problems but i sort of was always Encouraged to wait a little while to sober up mm-hmm. to see what those were or to see how those manifested mm-hmm. so then I went to an ADHD clinic through my family doctor and you know within 10 seconds of talking to a psychiatrist it was sort of clear that that was a big problem for me um, but it was still so I woke up as a 13 year old kid in a 30 year old man's body so There was all kinds of possible things that were wrong with me. Um, Depression, I spoke a lot with the psychiatrist about. Um, And then, so that was another member of that team, I guess. I got my psychotherapist, my sponsor, my psychiatrist. And then I met or I got in touch with another doctor who had been doing mindfulness-based stress reduction and other mindfulness sort of therapies she also that was also covered by OHIP. Then I started practicing mindfulness that was about two and a half I mean I'd been practicing in other ways but when I really started taking it seriously it was about two and a half years ago um and then sort of that was like when I really started to have this solid base of whatever I want help for anything and I was building all these people around me that I knew I could rely on if I oh and I was thinking oh that was the end of the list but no then I got so another great thing about being in these 12-step communities is you hear about all these cool resources Mm -hmm. um and so another guy said oh you want a marriage therapist yes call this
1: guy (laughs) (laughs) yes I need one of those too
2: and I did right you know my wife and I had all kinds of issues um so that was amazing, too. So that was that was another layer to the squad, you know. Um, but I had to that was a couple years in, you know, I had to get my own BS together before I could start addressing other things. Um, anyway, so that was the last part of the, the squad.
1: And once you've got your shit together, yeah. um, I know you are uh, part of an organization called Starts With Me. And I wanted to hear a little bit about how that came to be and Mm -hmm. what that's all about cool
2: yeah um so starts with me um the the most important thing i ever was told was that if i'm pointing the finger at somebody else there's three fingers pointing back at me and that was drilled into my head by my sponsor um and that was the only way I ever got relief from any situation. So, whether it's my wife or my kids or my parents or my brother, I mean, just, I think, at least personally, the only way I can ever handle any situation is just 150% take responsibility for my part in it. Mm-hmm. And leave everything else to the universe or whatever. So... Like my wife is doing this and I don't like it and blah, blah, blah. And she's this and she's that and whatever, you know, that doesn't help me. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel angry. I feel mad. I feel sad. I feel my boundaries are being crossed or whatever it is. You know, it's my responsibility. How does this affect me? How do I deal with this? And that I remember being inspired by a lot of, I don't know if you guys know Eric Thomas. Et the hip hop preacher, he's this incredible motivational speaker. I know speaker. Eric Thomas. Yeah, yeah. the secret I've heard to success. Of he has a he, oh my god. Yeah, I've heard of him.
1: I've heard some of his
2: work. Yeah. So yeah, I was incredibly inspired by him, and I thought, well, I don't want to be a poker player forever. I was still playing poker up until my second child was born, um, and my wife and I had built a business to sort of sustain us. And I thought, okay time to move on and you know let me be part of the world and uh I thought oh if I want to change the world it starts with me um and I thought oh that's a cool name I'm gonna start a brand called starts with me (laughs) and I'm gonna try to share this message with the world because I didn't know what else to do um quite honestly and I want I I'm still to this day, I'm so touched by what happens inside the 12 step rooms because it's really mad. It is actual magic. Um, and it, I don't see anything similar to that in any other place of the world. So I said, I, how can I share that magic that I received with the world in a way that is as similar to what's there? And that was sort of, this starts with me. How can I help other people see inside themselves the answers to all their problems. Um, and also the source of all their problems. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is weird, you know, balance, but so yeah, I started and I was uh, doing stuff at CAMH with high school kids and I thought, wow, I could, I think I could do better than what the institutions are doing. Not to say they're not doing good things and et cetera, but I don't think they have the, They're not set up to take things outside of their walls. And so, and I did have some festival production experience. I'd been worked on a, I guess, a world-class festival for um, seasonally for five, six years. And I thought, oh, I can do this. I can, I was, the vision was super clear. I didn't know how the hell I was going to get there. But I, so I got a friend to draw me up a logo and a whatever (laughs) <laughs> and he drew me a couple and I said, that one's super cool. And then I wrote a blog, said, hi, my mic, this is my story. I'm starting this thing called Stars With Me. And then slowly but surely I started working with lots more schools doing mental health talks, excuse me, and workshops. And then I thought how I had, I was speaking at this, uh, this conference type of thing that the Mental Health Commission created. Mm-hmm. I thought, man, this could be so much more interesting for these kids. You know, it was somewhat engaging for them, but it was so dry and ugh. And so I said, I'm gonna start this thing, this festival, and um on top of the other stuff that I was doing, and I so that's what led to the State of Mind Festival. We just had the second year in May, the second annual one. Mm-hmm. Um and We've created curriculums with teachers, um, so the kids can use the curriculums in class, get graded on it, and then submit the content to the festival. And then they come and celebrate their work at the festival. Are you and working so
0: with the TDSB for this? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. and okay. cool. the
2: TCDSB and some uh, some schools in the GTA. GTA. Yeah.
0: Okay. So actually, before, yeah. I know we got to we got we to gotta wrap up yeah. soon, um, but. I want to know how you felt about the upcoming uh, marijuana mm-hmm. legalization um, that's gonna that's happening here in Canada. Yeah, yeah um, it's you know, <laughs> soon. It's soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, You know, like, what are your what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's good. I don't I don't think prohibition works for pretty much anything. Um, I mean, there's got to be boundaries and rules and et cetera, but people are going to do. Things pretty much regardless. I know there's research on. They Camh did a big survey on kids. Will the legalization change the way you you perceive doing drugs? Basically, I think four percent of kids said that they would do it now that it was legal. So Mm. only that was that's a tiny shift, and who knows if that's an accurate number, but. There's a drug dealer in every class or, yeah. every, you know, I mean, so this, the <laughs> yeah. politics they're, around they're, it is just so they're disgusting. Gonna, they're going to do it. If they're going yeah. to do it. I mean, so, I, I think yeah.
0: countries like the Netherlands have it right where they're saying it's, it's a public health issue. Right. Um, and you know, instead of being a criminal issue and, and we deal with it that way. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's, it's one of the best ways to deal with, you know, all drugs actually in, in my opinion, for, uh, yeah. for, what, for what it's worth, not just.
2: No, I would agree hundred percent. yeah. And Portugal's uh, got right, some yes, great they've, evidence. They've got, they've got yeah. some,
0: yeah, they, they, I think was it since early 2000s has it been? Since, I'm not sure, Since, to since be they, honest. they decriminalized everything, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, I think it's just so much better to say these are the things that are happening and let's deal with the causes of it rather than all oh, the hoopla that goes around and people get into their all political... The, all, the waste, all the wasted money with the policing and
0: institutions and, and, and all that. Yeah. Know, we, let's... Let's focus on the social side of of, of the issue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. But, anyways, with that said, thank you, Mike, so much for being on the show and sharing your story. It was amazing. You were hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I think that's a true mark to me of someone who's like forged through the fire that they can look at their story and just kind of like take it in but still laugh and say this happened to me and at the time it wasn't super funny but um, today I could look back (laughs) on it and just give a little chuckle. So I appreciate that about you. Um, If you guys want to send Mike a note, if you want to learn more about Starts With Me, it's startswithme.ca right? Um, head over to the website and check it out. Um, and if you want to send JR and I a note just saying hello, what's up, how you doing? Um, please, JR, tell them how they can reach us.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. You can reach us at dishdysh at daintydish.com. That's D-A-I-N-T-Y-D-Y-S-H dot com. Uh, you can also check out Onika on her website onikadainty.com. Uh, She's definitely got some writing up there. I, I saw a few new things up there, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm excited. I think You're excited. Should, check I think it everyone out. Everyone should Just be. Everyone <laughs> should be excited about it. Everybody should yeah. be
1: excited about it. Okay,
0: everybody. Yeah, definitely. And if, and if you also want to, you know, take a look at uh, from some photos from our vantage point, you can check us out on Instagram. Um, that's best of Onika and uh, best of Jr uh if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts, give us a five you deserve a five and thank you so much for listening and please subscribe uh if you're listening to us in any other any other platform youtube uh soundcloud we appreciate you google music we appreciate you for listening thank you so much thank you for listening to us today uh mike thank you so much for being thank here thank you guys um, yeah i wanted to say thank you and i want to give you opportunity now to like do you say you want, hi to anyone shout out you hi. Know, hi. shout
2: out shout outs all that good stuff um I want to thank you guys, because this <laughs> is awesome. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, no, but seriously, <laughs> it's a, a pleasure to be here, and it's, you, you guys, this is a great opportunity to feel more free, uh, so thank you, mm-hmm. and uh, it's great that what you guys are doing, um, shout outs, man, to everybody who has helped me along this journey, I have to thank yeah that's a beautiful shout out yeah it's great and continue to help me too you know that's the other thing so i'm internally grateful for that um yeah all right
1: Mm -hmm. all right that's been all kinds of crazy second wednesday of every month it has also been the dish of the day Mm -hmm. so i hope y'all have yourselves a very 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 happy hump day